Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Music Game with your host, Linda Chica, where we discuss all things music. So whether it's dance music, to dance hall, to soca, to rap music, we got all genres covered. So welcome to my podcast, and it's time for some fun, yo. Okay. Yes. Today's episode of The Music Game is presented by Podgo. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for each ad placed so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. Thank you Podgo for your sponsorship of The Music Game with your host Linda Chica. I'd like to send a special thank you and shout out to this week's sponsor of The Music Game. I am pleased to welcome Santa Maria Restaurant to the list of amazing sponsors of The Music Game. They are located in Brampton at 157 East Drive. And for those of you who have not checked out their menu, let me tell you. Their pepper lamb fried rice, bunjal duck, pepper shrimp, how about their Santa Maria chicken, or the buffalo wings. Guys, they have a really delicious menu and lots of delicious options to try. So come on by to Santa Maria Restaurant. And guess what? We have a special promo happening. So right now, if you mention that you heard this ad on the music game, you get a free special chicken fried rice or chicken chow mein with the purchase of $40 or more. So come on in, mention that you heard it first on the music game and make sure to take full advantage of this awesome promotion. And once again, thank you, Dushant, Sarita and Davin. You guys always do such an exceptional job. And thank you, Santa Maria, for being this week's sponsor of the music game.
Your girl in the Chica coming at you live and direct from the six. On today's show, I'll be featuring one of our international Chutney Soka Monarch. And guess what, guys? He's won twice. I am pleased to welcome Nishard M to the music game, everyone. Welcome, Nishard. Hi, Linda. Thank you so much. Hi to everybody on the music game. It's a pleasure to be here. Nice to be here. Thank you. And now, Nishard, before we begin, I'd like to start off by saying thank you for being a very special guest on our show. And I'm so excited for everyone to learn more about you and your awesome career so far. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure for me to, uh, to be here, to be able to, to chat with you and for people to get to know, know me a little bit more in depth and probably get a chance to find out some things they didn't know. You know, I mean, who knows? <laughs> Ooh, exciting. That's what yeah, we're all of course, about. Of course. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Awesome. Now, Nishar, tell us. How did you get into the music industry? Um, you know, to be quite honest with you, getting into the, the formal part of the music industry was something that I really didn't have any intention of doing in my early days. Music was okay. just something that, that came naturally to me. I started singing uh, back when I was like seven years old. Even before that, I started playing around with, um, with the piano and, and keyboards. I always had a, a genuine interest and love for musical instruments and just for singing in general. I, um, I actually started singing. When I was in primary school, I, would, I believe I would have been like in standard, standard two at okay. the Avocat Vedic school in Trinidad. So at that time, I would have been probably, let's see, if I was in standard two, I would have been like seven years old, six or seven years old. Okay. And uh, back in those days, we had the uh, the children of Mastana competition. Well, Mastana Bahar is a competition for those of you who may not know. It's um, it's basically a staple in Eastern Indian culture in Trinidad and Tobago. It's a program that's been around for many 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 years and um i think all of these successful artists and not just the successful artists but i think most of the indo-caribbean um indo-trinidadian artists would have passed through masana bahar uh, at some point in time over the years and um out of masana bahar there was a competition which evolved called the children of masana this was back in 1998 okay. and um i decided to go audition for this competition um, it was the first time I actually was trying to wake up my dad the Sunday morning of the audition, I remember. And um, they, they had a party the night before, so they were sleeping uh, really early in the morning after going to bed not too long before. And I'm trying to wake up my dad to say, Yo, um, I want to go to this audition. I want to go to this audition. And he's like, what are you talking about? You want to go audition? I never hear you sing anything before you want to go audition. <laughs> I did what any um what any smart uh, seven-year-old would do at that point in time. I went across to my grandmother and I complained to her. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> <laughs> she told she told my grandfather and he came out in a rage and he woke up my father and he was like listen wake up and take the boy right now <laughs> so we ended nice. up going to, we ended up um he, he woke up we ended up going to the audition and we got the call that very same evening that um i was going to be i was selected to be among the the preliminary uh preliminary contestants you know it was really exciting for me uh, the year after that I actually went on to reach the finals of the same competition and i i won the people's choice uh, which back then was a Super Nintendo on a TV. This is when the Super Nintendo just came out. So you cannot, I cannot even explain to you how excited I was at eight years old for Nintendo on a TV. Like I couldn't sleep for like for nights <laughs> upon night after getting it. I'm, I'm just giving you a little bit of the backstory, but to answer your question yeah. in a more direct way, to be honest, I, I really didn't choose the music industry. I think music really chose me. It might sound cliche, but it, it really was never the intention for me. I had no, I had no dream of becoming a singer when I was younger or anything like that. It was just something that I had a natural love for. Pursuing music never really had an, an end goal for me. It was never 
with the intention of becoming an artist or joining a band or anything like that. It was just something that really brought me a lot of joy and a lot of relaxation. And um, for the majority of uh, my early years, I spent uh, I spent my time just you know enjoying music, not really thinking about the the industry itself until probably my later days of being in Trevini. Well, I mean, joining joining bands, I guess, would automatically put you in that light of being in the industry, quote unquote. But right. um, in in terms of really getting focused about it mm-hmm. and um, deciding to to dedicate a lot more time and effort and energy towards it, it's something that I, I only really decided to do. I would say maybe about. So uh, six years ago, yeah, five, about five or six years ago, and uh, at that point in time, I was actually working full time at, uh, at at TN Tech. Um, I had a, a really good job there, permanent job and everything. And um, I just one day I said, you know what, uh, I I need to choose one. Is that I'm going to choose if I want to go into music full time, it needs to be the only thing I'm focused on. I don't want it to be a side thing. And I left my full time job, and I've been doing music full time ever since. This would have been maybe about four years ago. A lot has happened in four years because. You've been touring the world. Yeah, well, you know, thankfully, um, being a part of Trevini over the years, I was actually a part of Trevini from, uh, I think, maybe around 2007 for about okay. nine years. So uh, over that uh, over that period of time, I mean, I would have had a chance to tour extensively with them and then um, breaking out and starting to do my own solo thing. It started, to, it started to open up, you know, a lot of new doors and I started to tour as a solo artist which was a completely different experience. But um, all in all, you know, it's been fantastic being able to travel to all these different places and seeing people enjoying your music and, and, and meeting people who appreciate what you do. It's, it's really, really a blessing. Where are some of the, your favorite places that you love performing the most? Um, I have to say, hmm, <laughs> performing the most. <laughs> definitely, I think we, have, we definitely have some of the biggest shows um, in Guyana. Guyana oh, okay. is just, they love their culture in a whole different kind of way, their appreciation and um, the way that they embrace Trinidadian artists and, and, and our music is is really wonderful, it's really amazing. I love going to Guyana. Um, they, the culture is very similar to us in, in the you know, they do a lot of church as well. Right. Similarity, that similarity makes it very easy for us, you know? And, um, apart, for sure. Apart from that, our first tour with JMC Trevini was actually in Holland. We went to Holland for two years back to back. And that was also a fantastic uh, experience uh, doing those shows. Um, I, those, those would be the two that really stand out. I mean, so many places that I've been, but if, if you ask the question, those are the two places that really come to mind. Uh, okay. Before anyone else. Yeah. For sure, for sure. And that's, yeah. that's really good to know. Um, I didn't know that they had such a huge presence in Holland. Yeah, actually, um, there are a lot of Guyanese and a lot of Surinamese people who live in Holland. Trinidad, Trinidadian artists have been frequent in Holland, I would say, uh, probably for the last 10, 15 years or so. Within the last few mm-hmm. years, it's kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, but yeah, they, they love, they love our music. They love, they love that special and unique flavor that we bring to, to, to some of these songs that they're already familiar with. And um, mm-hmm. getting a chance to go there and perform for people who uh, some of them don't even speak English, you know. And uh, they oh, wow. still, they, they, they're so amazed. I remember that there's this one show that we did uh, in Holland that featured Brian McKnight as, as one of the, um, the main performers of the night. And um, oh, it was, wow. I was at this huge hall in Holland and um, they were like, it was like three or four huge halls in one complex. So there were like three mm-hmm. or four stages. And when we hit that stage, in this huge complex, like literally every corner that your eye could see, it was people were just packed inside 
and they were just ready to party. It was it was really mind blowing. I mean, to be in a completely different part of the world at that early in my uh in my career in terms of band music, it um it really mm. blew my mind. It blew my mind, and and it was it was phenomenal. It really was. What exactly do you enjoy the most about performances? Um. <clears throat> to be honest with you, like I said, the reason that I got into music in the first place was because it really brings a sense of genuine joy and relaxation for me. And mm-hmm. for the people who know me personally off stage, like I'm, I, I would think I'm a pretty reserved person. Um, you know, outside of my career, like in my personal life. And I feel like being on stage is when I feel like myself. That's when I really mm-hmm. feel most like myself. That's when. I feel most comfortable and um, it's when I feel like I I really have a chance to express who I am as a person, you know, and um, being off stage, I mean, it's just, it feels like just time that I'm killing waiting to be on stage again, (laughs) you know, and, um, you know, coming up over the years and and starting to write my own music and and, and now I'm, I'm getting a little more involved in producing and stuff and seeing people singing along to songs that you wrote and you produced and, it's just a really joyous feeling. And, and when people come up to you after shows and I mean, they really love what you do. They really appreciate what you do. And, um, you know, they, they, they're so, they're so happy and you're able to bring smiles to so many people's faces. I think, um, that really is a wonderful feeling for me. Uh, being able oh. to make so many people happy through music. It's, it's, it's wonderful, really wonderful. Talking about your music. Your music is predominantly Chutney music, and for those of our listeners not familiar with the genre, can you tell us a bit about your music and what exactly is Chutney music? So when I started singing, I was strictly doing Bollywood music. I had, like I said, no okay. intention of no intention of, uh, of of nurturing a musical career and trying to expand and grow and that kind of thing. It was just me doing what I love. And for the first few years of my career um, in bands and stuff. I did only Bollywood music. While I was in Trevani, I mean, we we had a chance to to do many many different types of shows for many different types of audiences, and um, they were really the band that coined the term crossover. So it threw me kind of into this light where I was exposed to so many other elements of the culture now outside of Bollywood that it just felt like a a really natural transition now to get into the Chutney Soka to get into soca and that kind of thing. For, um, mm-hmm. for, for people who are not so familiar with chutney music, chutney music actually started off as uh, uh, with women singing wedding songs. Oh, wow. That, yeah, that's, that's actually, um, I mean, to my knowledge, I'm, I'm, I stand to be corrected. I'm not professing to be a, an expert on chutney music <laughs> or anything. So don't go and quote me and say, Michelle, I'm saying. <laughs> but from my understanding, yeah, I believe that's where it started. And, um, okay. Obviously, it would have started with um with Hindi lyrics, and right. Um, well, when our forefathers came to to Trinidad and the Fatherazak and all that, my great grandfather would have been one of the indentured laborers that came to Trinidad on the Fatherazak. My great grandfather, and um, they obviously sp- uh, spoke Hindi, and as the generations uh, came along afterwards, there was this bit of a, a language barrier because people like myself, people like my dad, we don't speak any Hindi. My my grandmother speaks Hindi to a point. I mean, she still understands that she's able to, you know, she could sit down and watch a ZTV and know what they're saying without reading the subtitles. <laughs> I think because of that language barrier, 
because Trinidad is such, I mean, we're such a small country and the culture is so intertwined. Uh, it was only natural for, for the Chutney music and the foundation, Dantal and Dolak, to start fuse, uh, fusing with the other elements of the Calypso and the Steel Pan and that kind of thing. And that's basically how Chutney Soka was born. So Soka music, uh, as defined by Ras I was a mixture of the East Indian and the African elements uh, in terms of the rhythmic structures. So East, East Indian music has a particular sound when it comes to the rhythm and the African drums and that kind of thing, uh, they, they have a particular sound. So Ras okay. when he created soca music, his vision was to bridge the gap between the Indians and Africans at that point in time in history. And he brought these two rhythms together and that is where soca music was born. And when that now became fused with the East Indian elements that we knew as Chutney, with the Hindi lyrics, the harmonium, the dance, the dolak, and that kind of thing. That's how it became Chutney Soka. It's something that we, the young artists like myself, I mean, it's it's a lot easier for us to be able to connect with Chutney Soka because the majority of us don't speak Hindi. So, you know, right. we can't exactly sit down and write a, a, a Hindi traditional Chutney type sounding song by ourselves, you know, without getting the assistance or help from somebody who speaks the language and, and that kind of thing. So in terms of my music, out of the Bollywood, um, I would have started to dabble in Chutney Soka back in around 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. The first Chutney song that I ever did was actually Tequila, When by Riva, Ride Down in Sawa. <laughs> that, was the, that was the first Chutney song that I ever did. And um, to be honest with you, it wasn't even a decision that was mine. I was a part of the Trivini, like I said, at that time. And Cappy called me and he was like, you know, um, shot, I have a song for you to sing. And I was like, all right, well, no problem. And I, <laughs> we just went into the studio and the song was Tequila, which was actually written by him. And, um, oh, wow. the year in 2012 is when I, um, I wrote, I wrote Totin Feelings. That would have been the first Chutney okay. Soka song that I wrote uh, by myself. And I also co-produced with Rishi Mahatu. Um, also Totin Feelings, I did other songs like, um, Another Girl Again. Then I did Mami Say. Mischief Maker, um, and all these other songs coming up along the years. Um, and while, while I did that, I still continue to dabble in the Bollywood music as well. And, um, I've been, actually, I released, uh, my first soca track, uh, two years ago. And mm-hmm. now, um, in 2020, since we found ourselves in this very strange situation of this pandemic, it's given me a lot of time. And, um, I've actually been focusing a lot more time and energy on the soca side of things as well. So that's something to look out for oh, in the future. Yes. From Nishadam Soka. <laughs> that is so exciting to share. Oh, yes. Yeah, it is, it is. Trust me, it's really, really um really good quality music. I mean, I always try to uphold a certain quality when it comes to everything that I do from the performances to the songs to the culture up to the up to the concerts to even the interviews. I mean, whatever it is I do, I try to uh represent our genre in the best possible way that I can. And I'm really excited to be able to um to put out some soca music as well, man. So yeah. Okay, excited, looking forward to that. Because, <laughs> same, same. <laughs> I mean, I've seen you perform from here to Florida and back. I've personally never ventured out of North America yet. Right. And your shows are always so, so much fun. You're just an amazing, amazing performer. Everyone's dancing. Not one person is sitting down. Everyone is singing, dancing. So you are the true definition of an entertainer. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. It feels it feels so heartwarming to hear you say that. And um, you know, that that's something that I've really learned over the years. It comes with experience, the ability to not just be able to go on stage and sing a song. I mean, we have a lot of fantastic singers. The best singers in the world, um, Linda, are the people who we have no idea they even exist. 
There are people who sing on the wow. side of the road and stuff who we don't even know about. So it's not just about going on stage and singing, but it's about that ability to connect with people. And um, For sure. yeah, that's something that I've really learned and, and I've been trying to master over the years, the ability to, to, you know, just make people happy, like I say, to be able to go on stage and show them a good time to forget all their stresses of the world, even if it's just for an hour or two hours, whatever the case is, you know, people come out to have a good time. And um, yeah. I'm just, I'm just glad that, that we've been, um, it, it's been so well received. Like you said, you know, all these shows that you've, you've had a chance to attend, you would see that, you know, people, they genuinely love what we do. They genuinely love my yes. music. That is something I'm eternally yes. grateful for. And, um, you know, just to touch on what we were speaking on previously, uh, when I perform live, I mean, I do a, a, a very wide, my repertoire is very right, uh, wide. Sorry. It's not just Bollywood. It's not just Soka Chutney. I do a little bit of everything from, reggae to dance hall to hip-hop to pop r&b i mean re- you name it like i do a little bit of everything so like you mentioned you would have gotten a chance to to uh, witness a few of our performances yes. um like when we travel and stuff and you know people genuinely enjoy what we do they um they they're really they're they're happy when they come out and they see us perform we, we are able to really show people a good time mm-hmm. and um what i was mentioning is that um just to touch on what we were speaking on previously a little bit when i perform live my repertoire is very wide in the sense that i do a lot of different genres not just bollywood not just soca but i do a lot of hip-hop reggae dancehall i mean r&b pop you whatever it is like i i've been able to i've always loved challenging myself and stepping outside of my boundaries in in, in order to really learn who i am as an artist right and um that transition into doing uh music outside of Bollywood and Chutney Soka is just something that I feel is very natural for me because I've been performing all these things for years. So in terms of having some of um, some of that type of music under my belt, it's something that I've really been excited about. So I'm happy to finally be able to pursue that. And it's not just Soka. I mean, I'm, I have some upcoming work with some producers out in Houston as well, some R&B stuff that's really, really Ooh. fantastic. And yeah, Exciting. and then um, okay. I, mean, I, have, I have my own studio as well now uh, for the past couple of years. Um, so I have, uh, uh, a lot of stuff that's going to be coming out that is actually produced fully by Nishad M as well. So wow. really excited about that. Yeah. Huge congrats. That's, that's oh, big. Thank you. That's big. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. It. And now over the years, you've produced quite a few, uh, tracks over the years. What would you say are some of your faves and why? Um, in terms of my favorites, the songs that I would say are my favorites along the years, one of my favorite Chutney Soka tracks was Another Girl Again. Okay. There was something about, anytime they see me with somebody, they say I with another girl again. Yep, yep. There, there was just, there was just something about that track that I really, really loved. I, I had so much fun producing it. Mm-hmm. And it came at, it came at a point in time in my career where I was now trying to start to write original melodies for the first time. Okay. So another girl again, Totem Feelings would have been the first Chutney Soka song, uh, well, the first original Chutney Soka song that I did. And it's actually a fully original melody, original composition, everything. And, uh, another girl again would have been the second song. Um, and I mean, it, I had so much fun doing the track. Uh, it, I wouldn't say it's probably one of my more popular songs. There are a lot of people who probably don't even know the song exists. So go and check it up. I think it's a, it should be on YouTube. Another girl again, Michelle. So back in the day. <laughs> but that was one of my favorites. Um, in terms of recent time, I think everybody who 
everybody who is anybody who loves chutney music in any form or fashion i've never met a person who didn't love retia for some reason yep that's it <laughs> this song people just go nuts for this yep. song i mean even up until now when i perform like no matter what part of the world that i travel it could be the most reserved most sit down crowd people in tuxedo jacket and tie when mm-hmm. ratia comes on people just lose it like yep. they just get up <laughs> and they start to dance and you know i would think that it's something that would have faded away because ratia is probably about maybe 5 5 years old now maybe yes. 5 or yes. 6 years old yeah so it's been around for a, a fair amount of time but somehow i mean the reaction and the love for that song has just kept on growing um i think it also it kind of um started started a little bit of a trend back then where people started to um, do a, a lot more songs with the intention of of creating that kind of sound even my uh, my producer back then who would have been Rishi Mahatu he said you know after that people kept coming to him saying yo Rishi I want a ratia I want a ratia I want something to sound like ratia you know wow. and um so I was just I'm so thankful and to be quite honest with you Linda ratia was one of the songs that um it was a kind of by the way you know wow. it was never yeah, it was, and I'll tell you how this came about. Um, Rishi Mahatu had a rhythm that he was working on. Okay. So the Ratia, Ratia, the, the music for Ratia actually came out as a rhythm. There are two or three other songs on it. And we were in Guyana. We were going to do a show in Guyana, and I was in the, I was in the bus with Stinky. Shout out Master <laughs> Stinky Salim. Was like, Master Salim, Stinky. Well, I, yep. I remember Stinky for so many years. Um, so, and, and he, and he said to me, he was like, you know, he's, I think he went to some wedding or something and he heard this song and he was like, I heard this song by Shara and this song, from the time I heard it, you were the first person who came to mind and he was the one who actually suggested the idea of doing it. And, um, wow. I listened to it and I thought to myself, okay, well, this is cool. And when I got into studio with Rishi Mahatu is when we started to, you know, um, make all the little adjustments and tweaks and really add that little Nishara and flavor to the music and that kind of thing. Yeah. And, um. I mean, when the song came out, from the minute it came out, people just, they started loving it immediately. And that's something that really doesn't happen very often um, in the sense that, that you put out a song and everybody just, you know, immediately falls in love with it. Yeah. So um, it just goes to show that, you know, I, I have so many other songs, especially when it comes around to Chutney Soka, Monarch and that kind of thing that we put so much time and energy and effort into. And um, it doesn't really manifest in the same way like Aratia. It just goes to show the unpredictability of the music industry generally. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's just Aratia is one of those tracks that I had so much fun with um, producing it together with Rishi Mahatu, who of course is such a musical genius. So I must take uh, a few a few seconds to acknowledge Rishi Mahatu. He's done a lot for me musically um, over my career in terms of my productions and stuff. I've learned a lot from him as well. When it comes to producing, just by, you know, being in studio with him and observing how he does what he does, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've been able to kind of start honing on my own pr- production skills. Um, apart from that, uh, recently I also had a lot of fun doing Rula. Rula is a song that has been really um, well received, especially by ladies. Why, for some reason, ladies really love Rula. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that th- I think um, so far those would be my top three. Okay, and to be honest, I can't picture you doing a show, whether it's a picnic, whether it's a concert, whether it's for New Year's, without doing 
Rakia. <laughs> I, I personally can't. I, I think there would be problems with the audience. Yeah, you know, and um, <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's true. It's true. People, uh, people really look forward to that song. But you know yeah. what? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why Rakia opened up a lot of doors for me. It's it wasn't just about the song itself, but it's about that opportunity that it created for people to start seeing the shot M on stage. Right. So you know, as far as as the song goes, yes, people loved it, but then. When I started going out and performing, people would come up to me and they'd be like, boy, like, wh- where did you come from? Like, how have we not heard about you before? You yeah. Know? And, and, and people started to pay a lot more attention. And, and then, you know, I, I guess that's where, um, it really took off in, the, in terms of touring, um, yes. as a solo artist and really, uh, developing uh, the solo side of my career. Yes. I really feel like that was your breakout track that when you hear Ratia, that's the shark. That's that's the track. That's it. That's the track. Yeah. All right. And now on that same uh, topic of your music, let's talk a little bit about your accomplishments. You've won two-time Chutney Soka Monarch, which is one of the most prestigious titles in the West Indian community. And for those of our listeners not familiar with this, Nishard will be explaining what exactly is the Chutney Soka Monarch. So the Chutney Soka Monarch is one of the staple events in Trinidad and Tobago culture. It's been around um, last year. Would have well, actually not last year. We in 2020. So mm-hmm. this year would have been the 25th anniversary. It's actually oh, been around for wow. 25 years. Wow. The very first Chutney Soka Monarch um, was actually held in Skinner Park, on, and they always say this at the meetings and stuff. Because, you know, it's always nice to acknowledge how far it's come over the years. But the first, very first Chucky Soka Monarch was, um, on a barrel stage with, with the, you know, the, the, the ply, plywood, um, plywood flooring mm-hmm. and a tent on top of it. And, um, you know, over the years, it's really grown. It's really expanded. It's provided a platform for Chucky Soka music to, um, to reach the world. And now it's grown into something that is really a phenomenal production. I, I think. Personally, I would say it is one of the grandest, definitely one of the top two in terms of grand productions in Trinidad and Tobago for Carnival. I mean, mm-hmm. artists really go all out on that night. And, um, for me, I've, I've been in the Chutney Soka Monarch for a few years. The first year, uh, the first year that I entered, um, would have been 2013. Actually, 2013 would have, 2012, I entered with Totem Feelings, but I did not make the finals. Okay. And in 2013 would have been the first time that I made the finals um, with Mami C. I have one to cook. I have one to wash. So that was my first time in the finals. Okay. And that year, that year I actually placed fifth. Um, then the year after that, after placing fifth, I entered with, I reached the finals again with Mischief Maker. I would have placed third then. Mm-hmm. After Mischief Maker would have been Therapy. Therapy, I placed second. Um, after therapy was Mr. Take Girl. We had a little bit of an off year that year. I, I came like fourth or something that year. Fourth. And then in 2018 and 2019 would have been when I won together with Nivelle. Yes. So, I mean, uh, it's been, I've been in the competition for a few years, but, um, it's been mostly an upward trajectory for me personally, apart from being able to do it, um, together with another, uh, another artist. But, um, for me, it's just something personally that I wanted to tick off on on my checklist mm-hmm. in terms of um accomplishments so i'm thankful that that i was able to achieve it it's um 
I think we were able to make a really positive impact. The the win, the Trudisoka Monarch win, it was really well not it, but they were really two very special victories in the sense of um what it was able to do for Chutnisoka music. It went very far beyond um just the victory on the night. For the very first time we had um Carrie Festa brand ambassadors who were Chutnisoka artists. And um you know, to be able to represent on that sort of a that sort of a platform, where the rest of the the rest of the Caribbean and the rest of the world is really paying attention, um, it it was phenomenal. So, you know, Chutney Soka Monarch. Thankfully, now we I'm able to take it off my um <laughs> my list, like I like I yeah. said. So yeah, we move on to bigger and better things. Again, congratulations on that huge win last year. That was phenomenal. Thank you, thank you, and. I absolutely love the fact that you guys brought the competition to Toronto. Big up Amit from Caribbean Weekly for bringing this competition here to Toronto. So it's been yeah. branching off to the various, um, you know, outside of Trinidad, which is awesome because it gives so much more opportunities for other upcoming Chutney singers. Yeah, well, I mean... Kudos to, to Ahmed Bosai and to George Singh and mm. to everyone who made it happen. It's, it's nice to see Chutney Soka Monarch happening outside of Trinidad and Tobago. It's a nice expansion for the brand, mm-hmm. um, for the culture. I mean, we have so many talented artists out in North America now um, who have been recording really wonderful tracks, who've been making significant progress, progress in their careers and stuff. So I think it's a nice opportunity for them as well to be able to feel a little bit more comfortable in, 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 instead of having to come to Trinidad and be somewhere where you feel like it's really not your playground because, you know, you feel like everyone else has a home advantage and you're coming from abroad. Right. So I think it was a nice opportunity for the uh, the North American artists. It was uh, nice for the brand. So, um, we had a chance to perform as guest artists. On, so, like, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking a bit about uh, Carrie Fest, um, Curry Fest, Carrie Fest, sorry? It's actually Carrie Festa. So it's Carrie Festa is, okay. is, is, is a, an abbreviation for the Caribbean Festival of Arts. Now, yeah. you were one of the ambassadors. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so um, this was actually really, really significant for me. It's um, one of the accomplishments that I hold on to really daily. And um, mm-hmm. Carrie Festa is, is um, like I said, a festival that happens every two years and it goes it goes from country to country within the, within the CARICOM. So this um well not this year, last year would have been Carifesta fourteen, Trinidad and Tobago would have been the host country. And when I tell you the production that was put on was something that was out of this world. I think it's it should be available on YouTube and um okay. other media platforms. But if you haven't had a chance to go and check out like the opening ceremony and stuff from Carifesta, it was something that was really, really heavily invested into. And um, okay. while Trinidad uh, was the host country, the government would have appointed five brand ambassadors, uh, basically to represent Cari Festa as Trinidad and Tobago. And those ambassadors were Marshall Montano, Nyla Blackman, Voice, Nival, and myself. So, you know, to be able to have Chutney Soka artists um, on this platform, together with the Soka artists, together with the rest of the Caribbean, uh, it was a significant accomplishment, not just personally, but I think for Chutney Soka music as well. That 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 level of acknowledgement to have two brand ambassadors um, out of five, you know, who are, who are there to represent a, a festival that is that is of such a great magnitude, 
Um, it was really, it was very humbling and it was a great honor at the same time. So it's something that I was really thankful for. And, um, you know, we, we just once again say thanks to the government and the, the Ministry of Tourism, Culture and the Arts for really having that faith in us and for believing in the product that we put forward. Okay, that's excellent. Mm-hmm. And now, how long does that event typically last for? It actually lasted for 14 days. So there were many, wow. uh, many different events, uh, two, three events sometimes happening over, over, um, on, on the same day uh, at different venues. And we had participants from the entire Caribbean, from the entire CARICOM, uh, coming and bringing their culture, bringing their art forms and, and the things that are native to their, their islands. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was basically a chance to be able to experience each other, to experience each other's culture and to, to, to find, to find, um, to get that chance to find that our, our differences really make us unique. And, um, the festival itself, like I said, the production was really, really spectacular, really spectacular. So, um, yeah, it was just fantastic to be able to, uh, to be able to represent on that scale. So kudos again, Carrie Festa was out of this world. <laughs> For our listeners, you want to check out Carrie Fester? Check out Nishard's YouTube page. I'm sure they should have some really cool videos posted there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, just to mention, for Carifesta itself, um, the, the 14 days of celebration would have culminated in a huge Island Beats concert, which would have featured, uh, Shaggy and, and, uh, Marshall Montano and a, a bunch of other Caribbean artists. It was a really, really fantastic show. So, you know, feel free to check that out as well on YouTube, the wow. Island Beats concert. Yeah. And so typically with Carrie Fester, it's, it's the Caribbean countries that are involved in this. Yes, definitely. It's, it's the Caribbean. It's, yeah. Caribbean countries gotcha. coming together. Okay. Yeah. Talk about instruments. Yeah. Do you play any instruments? And if there are instruments that you're interested in learning for the future? So my very favorite toy when I was growing up as a kid was mm-hmm. the baby piano. There was a piano that came back any day. Um, every, kid or every other kid probably had one it was made of wood the keys were all i mean it was all wooden of course and the black notes there weren't actually any black notes on the piano itself the black notes were drawn onto the white notes so you only had the white notes basically but this um growing up for some reason i really really loved um playing with this piano and i think that's where my natural love for keyboards and for pianos came uh, when I was, mm-hmm. when I was eight years old, I actually had the chance to tour for the very first time, uh, for the Mother's Day Spectacular, which happened in Calypso City. At that time, I would have been the youngest artist out of, I think, the Caribbean, maybe, to, to perform in New York City, to tour out of Trinidad and that kind of thing. And when I went to that show, I actually used my payments from that show to buy myself my first keyboard. And oh, yeah, wow. and I brought it back home with me and that's how I started playing the keyboards and stuff. And, um, I'm basically a self-taught keyboardist. So I play the keyboards. Okay. I've been playing, um, I used to play Dolak and stuff back when I used to go to the temple with my grandmother, um, you know, doing Sunday morning service and that kind of thing. So I play Dolak as mm-hmm. well. I play a little bit of tabla. Um, I absolutely adore guitar. I would love to be able to play guitar at some point in time in the future. It's something I would love to play guitar and bass. Okay. And, um, I mean, I could do all the thing on the drums too. I ain't no excellent or nothing, but, um, <laughs> I have all the rhythm in me, you know? <laughs> you have a lot of rhythm in you. That's, the, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, hey, right now with the whole pandemic, it's been, you know, one of those years that 
it gave us extra time back to do these types of things that we wanted to do, but just didn't find the time. To- well, you know what? For me, I discovered that I actually make the best salmon, mashed potatoes, and um, baked beans that I've had in a long time. I, I'm apparently I'm an awesome wow. chef, and it was just hidden, waiting to come out in the pandemic. <laughs> Hey, that's a really good skill to find. I know, right? So, I mean, we need to feed ourselves, right? No matter what happens. Yes. We could shut down, but I can't shut down my appetite. When I'm hungry, I need to eat. (laughs) Those are facts. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) What do you think are the unique skills that you have that's really helped you become such an amazing artiste? I know in Trinidad, you guys... The performers are considered artistes. You're not just an artist. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so what, what do you think? I, I want to throw a question back to you, Linda, just, just out of curiosity. Yeah, sure. If you were to think about a singer, someone who's a singer, what do you think What okay. do you think would be the most uh, unique thing about, well, not unique, but what do you think is the most important skill or the most important asset that they should have to be able to be a singer? To be honest, they need to be able to keep a rhythm. They need to be able to stay on beat. They need to be able to actually be able to sing. Ah, and you know what? You actually hit the nail on the head in all ways, and I'll tell you why. Because the average person might think that as a singer, the most important thing is your, ab- mm-hmm. your ability to sing, which is true to a point. But as a singer, the most important thing is actually your ability to hear. And your ears, yes. your ears are more crucial, I think, personally. Again, I ain't no expert. I'm just speaking on my personal experience. <laughs> but I think yeah. your ears are the most crucial tool that you have as a musician because you can have the greatest voice in the world. You can have the most soothing tone and beautiful melody and all that. But unless... Like you said, unless mm-hmm. you're able to hear and keep timing and keep tone and pitch mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, then you're really going to be in no man's land. So for me personally, um, most of my musical skills, I have to say, are self-taught or I've just learned, you know, from observing other people. I don't really have any formal musical training. I've learned to play. I've learned to write, produce, sing everything on my own. Um, but I think for me, the most significant thing has been that God has really blessed me with two fantastic ears. Like my ear for music is, and I'm not saying this in any kind of like boastful way, but it's, it's phenomenal. <laughs> like the, the way that I'm able to dissect music and hear things, um, it's really, I feel like it, it really is a God given, ta- a God given, God given talent. Sorry. So, um, in terms of, if, of, if, of thinking about a specific thing that really, stands out for me personally i would say it's it's my ears my ability to hear and that natural ear for music mm-hmm. and i mean that also really helps it does on the production side oh, yeah it does because you, you see the thing is that at the end of the day as producers we aren't producing songs for other producers to listen to we're producing songs for the average right. person to listen to who isn't necessarily yes. a musical genius or you know people just want to party people wouldn't want to just vibe and um it's important to be able to have that aspect and that that um perception of a listener as well when you are producing music you know so mm-hmm. yeah you're right what are typically some of the struggles that artists generally face and why the music industry is a very unique industry because when you really think about it there's no there's mm-hmm. no prerequisite to being an artist. There's, it's not like right. you have to go to school and get a certificate or you need a diploma or you need to go to an interview. Like literally anybody could wake up one day and decide, hey, you know what? I feel like I want to be an artist today. And hit up a producer, <laughs> hit up a writer, get a song done, go in a studio, 
probably not even be able to sing but get a song done you know yeah and um one of the challenges i think with as an artist has to be the instability of the music industry it is so unpredictable it's something that you really cannot um you can't predict you can't predict like i like i said earlier sometimes you would put so much time and effort into doing a song um thinking that okay you know what i'm putting this out and people are really just going to grab onto it because you know i put so much love and time and and i put my heart into this and then you know you put it on and people are like yeah sometimes you know and then you do a song sometimes like ratia which is a by the way and people are like oh my god they're so blown away you know and yeah. <laughs> it is so unpredictable and um you know the music industry itself is a very it's a very harsh place especially when you start making progress and you start aiming to achieve things for yourself personally and and you're trying to reach higher the higher and higher you go i mean the more and more people are going to try to bring you down you know it 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 seems again sure. it seems cliche but it's one of the things that comes with i think that that comes with success in any field that um that you could yes. be in but in music in particular in this type of industry where where you depend on on people adoring you and people loving you not just as not just your music but you as a person you as an artist um mm-hmm. it really shines a different light in the in the way in the way sometimes that people try to to um, to make you look negative or try to to you know cast negative aspersions on you so that's difficult right. as well as an artist and then um i think it's also difficult uh to be in any profession that is a creative one because creation is something that for me has to it comes out of nothing it has to be born from some emotion it has to be born from some thought it has to be born from some intention it has to come from something and that mm-hmm. that ability to create you really have to be in a specific frame of mind in a specific place mentally to be able to put out your best and sometimes you know you might sit down as an artist and you'll say okay you know what today is um whatever day we say today is wednesday just for example today is wednesday friday night i'm going to record a song i'm going to make an i'm going to um, make an appointment i'm going to go in the studio and i'm going to put on some vocals but then fr- friday night mm-hmm. comes around and you just you're not feeling the vibe like you know it's something I, i it's something that i've experienced personally as an artist it's not always easy to just immediately get into that uh that frame of mind uh when it comes to writing when it comes to producing and that kind of thing now when it comes to stage stage is a different kind of thing every time you hit the stage and that music hits you and 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 people are there and the energy and the love and and the enthusiasm i mean it just it immediately gets you going but in terms of um the other aspect of your career which is the sitting down at home and writing and stuff which is basically what we've all been stuck doing for the majority of this yes. year you can't always be in a good mood i mean at the end of the day creatives are people just like everybody else um we have moods we have emotions we have everything and um you know with all that said it does come down to the individual as an artist uh, you know mm-hmm. to find a way to channel channel whatever you are going through and um you know put it into music if it is that you're a musician or whatever and that's something i've been working on because sometimes people just stuck on you know wanting to do happy music but at the end of the day people aren't just always happy artists aren't just always right. happy so you can't always just want to do happy music yes you want to make people happy but as an artist i think uh, one of the one of the um one of the important factors in finding yourself is experiencing other emotions through your music not just the happiness but the sadness the or the heartbreak or the or the you know it could be whatever whatever emotion it is you are going through to be able to channel that into mm. song because at the end of the day it's something that somebody else is going through as well you know 
Right. So these are all um challenges I think that that um we face as as artists. The music industry itself is just sometimes a really harsh place. Uh, just the environment is is a very harsh place. But at the end of the day, it's all up to you to to keep focused and um to be able to to be able to take criticism. I think that's a very important tool as an artist to be able to take constructive criticism. Oh, for sure, that's yeah. extremely important. Yeah. And you know, the one thing I was I was going to mention was. Generally, though, with the chutney soca type music, it's typically upbeat, very festive, very happy, almost like party music. Yeah, and you know that's that's just that's a reflection of who we are as Trinidad and Tobago people. Trinidad, like when you think right. about Trini, you think about carnival, you think about party. Yep. Um, you know, yep. so a, a lot of sport. the <laughs> sport, if in Guyana, um, but a lot, <laughs> yeah. a lot of the music is is produced with that in mind. Um, you know, just just geared towards happiness and festivity and carnival party and celebration that kind of thing i mean it it, it has its own merits obviously i mean we all mm-hmm. love soca music um a lot of people love chutney i won't say we all love chutney a lot of people love chutney um yeah but yeah i mean it's all good at the end of the day it's our culture we we love it and um we embrace it and we do it our way <laughs> very well said and now you touched upon something interesting you just mentioned not everyone embraces chutney music I personally, I love chutney music. Yeah. I am the most whitewashed Canadian Guyanese <laughs> girl on the planet, and I I love it. I mind you, I cannot pronounce these words. That's why I said the part, the ratia part. But <laughs> if I have to start getting into the Dillahad, yeah. I will start butchering words. So it's a genre that it does have a lot of the Hindi component associated with yeah. it. And where do you see it going? Because, you know, compared to other genres, like let's just say, for example, pop music, it's still not as mainstream as other genres, even though it's been around for thousands of years now. There are so many mixed um, opinions when it comes to this subject. And this Mm -hmm. is one, this is a subject that's very touchy for a lot of artists, for a lot of people who are around Chutney Soka. But, you know, as again, I speak. Uh, I don't speak for anyone else. I speak personally from my experience. I see. I mm-hmm. see a huge uh, disconnect with um, with a portion of, especially the younger generation, and um, okay. and the modern version of 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 what we call chutney soka. Okay, so what we were speaking about earlier in terms of chutney starting off with Hindi lyrics and then evolving into yes. Uh, chutney soca. Chutney music is a very unique art form in the sense that we have chutney, but chutney is like a main tree. And then we have all these other branches that come off of this main tree because we have like the kind of groovy type chutney songs. Then you have the traditional chutney. Then you have chutney soca. Then you have like these power chutney songs. Like it's not just, it's difficult to put a strict definition on chutney. Okay. Yeah. And, um, I think that because of, that language barrier uh, between us and the generations before us, it was inevitable for Chutney to have to go through a sort of a transitional phase in terms of finding itself. And, um, okay. you know, for me, one of the things that's really become popular, when I say popular, it's become popular to the point where it is just, it's thought of as being the norm in Chutney Soka has been just, you know, reusing the Bollywood melodies and um, you know, putting new lyrics to them and, and putting them out uh, as as chutney soca music. There, there, right. are, there are a lot of people who who love that type of music, 
And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, not to take anything away from, I think it has its time and its place. This is something that I've said over the years because a lot of people, uh, when I, when I give my opinion on this subject, a lot of people seem to take offense to it because mm-hmm. they think that Nishadem always criticizing Balani. I ain't talking about teeth and melody and this kind of thing. It's not a matter of that. It's no, I'm, and, and you know what? We have <laughs> right. this conversation and then I'm giving it to you straight as it is, yes. straight as it is. You know, I hope, I hope that nobody feels offended by what I say, but I'm giving it to you straight as it is. And, um, Right. You know, a, a lot, a lot of the time, Chutney Soka, Chutney music is a music that finds a difficult time in commanding the same kind of respect as the other genres. Like even with, with, with like, even with Soka music, which is the easiest thing to, to compare it to because they both come out of Trinidad, you know? Right. I mean, Soka music is, yep. is leaps yep. and bounds music. I mean, there, there are a lot of different factors that go into that. But back to what we were saying in terms of the Bollywood melody and stuff, I think it's important for us to, to start doing a lot more original Chutney Soka music because we yes. need to have an identity of our own and at the end of the day yes the Bollywood melodies is an identity but it's not one of our own it's an identity that comes off of an, an already existing uh, billion dollar industry which is the Bollywood industry and nobody's saying don't do a Bollywood melody here and there or you know you want to do a Bollywood, a Bollywood song off and on use a melody or whatever because it does happen like people people mm-hmm. who the, 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 the very vocal advocates of Bollywood melodies, they, one of their biggest arguments is that, well, it happens in every other genre and well, that is what is work. That is what people want. But the rea- the reality right. of it is that, yes, it happens in other genres where people would borrow an existing melody, but it doesn't form the definition of what that genre is. It happens as a one-off. There is no, I, I, yes. I personally do not know of any genre that where 95% of the songs are recycled melodies from another genre. To me, to me, right. I think it's important for us to be able to mature out of that phase in order for us to be taken seriously as a genre. You know, I want to give you an example, eh? and I, I, I've thought about many ways to be able to explain this to people because people seem to not get what I'm saying. A lot of people seem to think, well, who cares? I mean, people like it. They just want to hear, they have a two drink in their head. They just want to hear a nice rhythm and they dance into whatever you're singing. It could be rum, it could be horn, it could be woman, it could be a car, it could be a boat, whatever, you know? But, um, yeah. The way that I think about it, um, let's, let's just use a, a, a little bit of a, a metaphor and analogy for a little bit. Uh, are you vegetarian, my chance? Okay, I'm just not checking, just actually, checking. no, but it might seem like a yes. strange question, but do you, do you like fried chicken? Of course you like fried chicken because everybody I think who is not vegetarian, everybody who loves, who, who, who eats meat loves fried chicken, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's, that we can, we can safely say that's a mm-hmm. fact. Now, mm-hmm. we eat fried chicken and everybody might like it, but does that make it good for your health? Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. So the, the, you can't say, well, I'm giving somebody something and I'm giving it to them because they like it. They like the taste of it. They like the flavor. They like whatever it is they like about it. But turn around and say that I care about your health at the same time. And this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing right. with the Bollywood melodies. We say, well, we're giving this to people because they like it. They like the flavor. They like how it, they like how it, how it tastes and whatever. But you can't profess to be a lover of the culture and a lover of Chutney Soka music if this is all that you are doing. Nobody's saying don't do it at all, but we have to get some original right. Chutney Soka songs in the mix as well, not just the recycled melodies. So to me, Bollywood melodies is like the fried chicken of the Chutney Soka industry. It might taste good. Some people, fry, some people hey. fried chicken might taste better than other people fried chicken. But at the same, but at, at the same time, if you're giving people fried chicken, <laughs> you can't say that you care about anybody else. 
So you can't want to be dishing out balling right. and around and saying that you care about Chucky Soka music because it just, to me personally, makes no sense. You know, the, the part that makes no sense to me is there's no money involved in the music that's being produced because these are copywritten melodies. Well, you know, this is the thing, right? Um, 2020 has been such a, a unique year because now, more than ever, right. we are seeing the value of being able to diversify your your um your portfolio as an artist and not just have income coming in from from um from performances but to be able to have original music where you're able to gain royalties and stuff and you know that kind of thing and and, and I'm not yeah. saying that like I'm not guilty of the same thing because I I don't have um a lot of original uh like soca songs and that kind of thing. I do have a lot of original chutney yeah. songs but the chutney side of or uh, the chutney side of the industry has never been um has Actually, it, it's always been um, based on a couple of visions. It started off as as being, you know, we started off doing Bollywood covers and that kind of thing. And again, because of the language barrier, mm-hmm. we've always found ourselves doing cover versions, songs that already existed. So when it comes to putting out material that's 100% original, that we're able to gain the same types of financial benefits as soca music and that kind of thing, it's something now that I think mm-hmm. collectively as an industry, we have to look at. It's not. It's no longer just about giving people what they want. People like this, so let me just give them this. And I do an original song that I work in. You know, it's, it's, it's about looking after the art form and doing what's best for the art form at the same time. Looking after yeah, you guys, yeah. because you guys are the ones, day in, day out, making this music, producing this music, and you need to be paid. If 2020 didn't teach us anything, that is one of the biggest learnings of the year, I've noticed, with the with the, with the whole chutney soca music industry um you know what one of the one of the, the, the theories that's been around for the longest while has been darwin's survival of the fittest and i think that that's something that right. we're going to see during um 2020 it's that's it's going to boil, boil down to survival of the fittest those who are able to evolve and who are able to find you know uh creative new ways to, to present themselves and to present their product while we still have this whole pandemic going on those are the ones who are going to be able to make it out successfully on the other side and um and i think a yeah. lot of people who would have had aspirations of being a musician before probably finding themselves in difficulty now that the industry has been shut down and um you know it's, it's probably going to be difficult to, to just pick back up when whenever things whenever things do open back up it's going to be difficult to just pick back up where you left off it's going to be like starting over from scratch for a lot of people you know but um right. the only constant i i said this in an article that was published um just yesterday in the daily newspaper here in trinidad but uh the only constant mm-hmm. in life is change you know, and the entire world is being forced to adapt. I think that musicians and artists and everybody else who's creative, we need to find a way to be able to adapt as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, with that being said, you do have a virtual concert coming up um, for Diwali. Can you share a little bit about that for our listeners? Um, before I even talk about the Diwali concert, which is something that I was that I'm so psyched about. Uh, this is actually our third series during okay. the lockdown. Uh, we had two really successful mm-hmm. virtual concerts before. One was called Shot and Chill, which, uh, which was basically okay. in the height of the lockdown, like in the midst of when, you know, nobody could gather and that kind of thing. It was really difficult to put on, not even, not, not being able to rehearse and that kind of thing, but we put on Shot and Chill. The, um, the entire video is still available on the Nishad and YouTube channel, so you can feel free to check it out. And, um, then some, mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks later, we put on another concert that was called Together the Concert, which featured a, a really wonderful cast. 
And, um, you know, we upped the production in terms of what, what we were able to do visually, what we were able to do with the cast and that kind of thing. And now, onto your question, this is the evolution of what we started earlier in the year. This is the very first time that ZTV, and I mean, I think everyone knows who ZTV is. ZTV is internationally known. They are a media giant. They are a household name. This is the first time that ZTV is actually partnering with a local artist to put on a series of this type. And uh, the name of it is Diwali Utsav, featuring Nishal M and Friends. And it actually airs live on ZTV from November 5th to the 14th. Uh, it, airs, it airs for nine mm-hmm. nights consecutively, uh, for ha- half an hour segments from half eight to nine. And then on Diwali Day, there's a marathon with the nine episodes being shown back to back. But um, it's, wow, I... <laughs> It's such a phenomenal production in terms of uh, what we are doing. The the artists have put uh, are putting on a really fantastic show. Um, the set and everything that we have mm-hmm. planned is really something that's out of this world. So I think it's um it's something that people can definitely look forward to, especially now uh, where we find ourselves celebrating Diwali in this very strange way. Um, you know, for us, for us locally in Trinidad, we are accustomed to going out to Diwali celebrations in the, in the weeks leading up to Diwali. We look forward to going out and lighting the years and, you know, hearing our favorite local artists, seeing our favorite, favorite local bands and that kind of thing. But this year, there isn't going to be any of that. And we thought to right. ourselves that, you know, I mean, culture is something that belongs to us. Nobody else is going to look after it for us. We are the ones who have to find a way to do it. And that was actually one of the missions behind this this whole uh, undertaking. It was to keep this culture alive even during the lockdown. We can't allow Diwali to just pass and just light a few days on the day itself. Uh, it was a it was really a tremendous uh, feat to have to put on this show in the middle of a lockdown from having to get sponsors to come on board in this time where all these companies closing down and this kind of thing. I mean. It was, right. it was really, really, I can't begin to explain to you. Thankfully, um, my manager, Vishma, she did a, a, a spectacular job handling, um, you know, the management aspect and, and that side of things. So kudos to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have what promises to be a really, really fantastic show. People could really look forward to it. So I want to invite you all to, you know, tell your friends and family, look out for it, uh, happening on ZTV. It's going to be showing throughout, um, throughout the Caribbean, Guyana, and Suriname. And for those of you like in North America and stuff, it's going to be available on ZTV yes. Caribbean's Facebook page. It's going to be streaming live, uh, simultaneously with the, the, uh, the episode on TV. So feel free to follow the ZTV okay. Caribbean page again, November 5th to the 14th, every night from 8.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Looking yep. forward to it. And aside from the Diwali show, are there any other um, upcoming projects or virtual events you'd like to, for our listeners to know well, about? Um, I mean, the way that the, the entertainment industry has been going, I don't think we need to expand on that. We all know what's been happening. And I think yeah. um, entertainment is probably going to be one of the last industries, if not the last, to really come back on board whenever that is. Because we literally depend on people, packed crowds and packed venues and shows and that kind of thing to sustain ourselves and to sustain our livelihoods and to sustain, you know, the music. For the foreseeable future, at least, I think everything is going to be virtual, at least for us here locally. 
Right. Um, it seems like everything is going to be virtual. But at the same time, like I said, we we want to give our fans. We don't just want to. That's not just a matter of going out and, and performing because you're an artist. It's also a matter of giving the people who love your music, giving the people who look out and support you and what you do, giving them something to smile about and giving giving them a little bit of a break uh, from all this madness that we're going through. It's nice to be able to, you know, put on these shows and have people message and call and and and, and um, interacting on on the lives and that kind of thing really enjoying the music and just you know enjoying like i said that little break from this crazy year that's 2020 so the short answer to your question right. short, i know i just talk plenty come apart as a politician but the short answer to your question is yes we do have um we do have a lot of well not a lot but we do have some uh other virtual events that we have in the making and um the nice mm-hmm. thing is that as we've been able to grow these virtual events over the last um the last few editions We've had a lot more people who've been expressing interest, who want to come on board, who uh, who want to be involved, who want to, you know. So I think that as we continue to put on these virtual events, they're going to just continue getting bigger and grander and better. And people could just really, really look forward to it. So we are, we are doing what we have to do to keep people entertained. And um, yeah, we all in this together, you know. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's exactly yeah. it. All right. As we wrap mm-hmm. up, Nishard, where can our listeners connect with you online? So right now, the easiest places to find me would be the Nishard M page on Facebook, or you can follow me on Instagram okay. at Nishard.m. That's N-I-S-H-A-R-D dot M. Uh, as well mm-hmm. as the mm-hmm. Nishard M YouTube channel. You're going to find a lot of exclusive content on the Nishard M YouTube channel as well, uh, including the last two virtual concerts, like I mentioned, Shad and Chill, and Together the Concert. We actually have a website that's been under construction for a little while, to be quite honest with you. Um, we've just kind of been delaying on putting that out, but nishadm.com is going to be up and running soon as well. Um, okay. We, I have, I have so much new music that's going to be coming out, Linda. Wow. Uh, during this lockdown, to be honest with you, the last song that I've officially released has been, um, Celebration, which was for Shotgun Sokamara way back earlier in the year. So it's, for this entire lockdown, okay. we've been doing these, these virtual events and keeping people entertained, but I haven't released any new music. And that's because all the new music is sitting here on my computer. And trust me, they are getting ready to go. It's, sometimes I sit and I listen to these songs, not to sound any kind of way, but, I sit and I listen to these some of these songs and I'm like, wow, I've really come a long way in terms of a producer, in terms of where I started. I think back about me for the first time sitting on my PC home in my mother and father house trying to put together a track and <laughs> to finally be able to be in a position where I could fully put out uh, 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 put out tracks that are produced by Nishadem that I've recorded, that I've created for myself. It's a, phenom- it's a phenomenal mm-hmm. feeling. It's a very... Uh, accomplishing feeling it's an accomplished feeling as an individual and i just i hope i hope that people will uh look forward to it uh look out like i said follow me on instagram on facebook subscribe to the channel and keep in touch so you can know everything that's happening uh with nishadam perfect and your youtube YouTube channel channel, of course the nishadam youtube channel yeah okay when should we be expecting some new New music music is actually going to be out right after diwali yeah exciting (laughs) all right you know that there's thousands and thousands of your fans listening yeah. out there. What message do you have for your fans? Um, you know, first first and foremost, I like to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart to everyone who has been supporting my career, who has been playing my music, who has been a part of this journey, who follows me on social media, who jams any any song that I sing when they have in a backyard line. Whatever it is you do, man, I... I am so amazingly thankful from the bottom of my heart. 
to everyone who has been a part of this this journey with me over all these years. I think now more than ever, mm-hmm. the the message that I can share to to those of you listening is um we need to we need to really stay safe. You know, it's not even a musical message; it's a message yes. for us to be really responsible, no. for us to understand that you know. Uh, we we are living through this right now, Linda. And sometimes we re- we we don't stop yes. and pause to really take in the reality of what we are going going through. Years from now, they are going to be the same way how we sit down and we watch documentaries about the Spanish flu and about World War and all these things. Years from now, there are going to be people sitting down watching documentaries about 2020 and the coronavirus pandemic. And we are actually living it right now. When my years from now, I'm going to have to tell my grandkids, yo, there was a time when we had to go, we couldn't fly nowhere. All the airports were locked down, planes were grounded, everybody had to walk around wearing yeah. a mask. When you really think about it, it's crazy. But the thing is that we have a chance right now to dictate how this story turns out. We have a chance to actually write, we have a chance right. to write the end of that documentary right now. And that all depends on how we behave as individuals. We need to be responsible. We need to make sure and wear our masks if it is we are going out. We need to avoid the unnecessary gatherings. We need to, you know, make sure and sanitize your hands, make sure and, and wash your hands, make sure and, and, and not touch your face. I, I think by now everyone knows uh, the specific steps that we need to be doing. But all I'm saying is that we please need to not become complacent because I know that we've all been going through this for a long time. It's been, literally, it's almost been a year. <laughs> You know, and it's it's really strange. Yeah. And as humans, I mean, obviously, we all feel a little bit antsy and we are, we all a little bit edgy, but we can't allow ourselves to become complacent. So, to anyone who's listening, please, please be responsible. I think it's not just for your yourself; it's for your your parents, for your grandparents, for the elderly, for anybody who might be sick, for your kids, for your spouse, for your family, for everyone. Please, just be safe and let us all make it through this together. Exactly. Very Thank well you. said, Nishard. Excellent. Now, before we wrap up, any shout outs you <laughs> want to give? I want to say shout out to Bishma. <laughs> Thank yeah, you, Bishma, <laughs> for coordinating big everything. Up to, uh, big up to management for us getting the job done. Yes. Um, I must say special thank yous to, um, I always say thank you to God Almighty first in everything that I do. I thank him for blessing me with the talents and the ability to do what I do. Um, thank you to mm-hmm. my parents. Uh, hopefully they're going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> but thanks to my parents. I have the two most parents, my brother, my grandmother. Thank you to them so much. Um, I must big up my brethren, Joe, man, out in Toronto. Uh, one of my really good friends, big up to Joe's listening out there. Um, thanks to you and Alinda. It's been really uh, refreshing to be able to sit and have a chat with you and um, to be able to, you know, share a little bit of these things. That so, Some of these things are things that I, I forget about until people ask you again, you know. <laughs> so it's like some of those things. So right. you think back about it and you're like, wow, I forgot that happened. But um, it's, yeah, it's been really fun chatting with you. Um, thanks again to management. Um, well, I'm missing more. Thanks to my sponsors, Detour Stores. Uh, we have a really amazing partnership going on. Um, and yep. yeah, just thanks to everyone who's, who's listened, who took the time to uh, to listen to our chat here, especially to those who made it all the way down to the end and who are hearing this part of it. <laughs> special thank you, special <laughs> thank you to you guys. Look out for brand new music. Make sure and check out Diwali Utsav featuring Nishadam and friends. And once again, stay safe. Thanks to you, Linda. Oh, thank you. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna send this a shout out as well to Joe from here in Toronto. Um, I know exactly yeah, who yeah. you're talking about, and I'm gonna take it one step further. I'm gonna send a, a shout out to Marky Marky Ramsawak. Oh, who reminded yeah. me, Linda. 
I've been listening. Linda, I haven't heard the Shards episode yet. And I said, trust me, everyone, I will get to everyone's episode one by one. So thank you, Marky, for reminding me. You know this, Linda, but Marky actually attended the University of the West Indies uh, for a year or two, you know, and uh, his cousin, who is Matthew Ramsawak, uh, is somebody who I went to school, who I went to high school with at presentation in San Fernando. So I was actually in university around the same time with Matthew and Marky. So Ma- Ma- Marky and I, Marky ah. and I know each other really well. We used to line together and all the time. We, we, we party enough times. <laughs> wow. So yeah, special, awesome. special. Awesome. Nice to have this whole family, man. Nice to, um, nice to be able to connect with all of them. Guys, one thing I, I do have to really say throughout the years, I've watched the shard perform so many different shows right from the beginning when Retia came right yeah. on the market and the, the audience just, you know, go, go crazy. They love the track, but on a personal level, you're such a nice and humble <laughs> guy in the shirt. Oh gosh, Linda. Yeah. I have yeah, to say yeah, that in here and all this rain, not pulling into that day. <laughs> <laughs> I have to call it exactly as this. I mean, I have never once seen you not take a picture with a fan or take the time to say hello to someone. And, you know, I've always seen you really interactive and really take the time to, you know, spend time with your fans and take pictures. And some artists, they don't do um, that. They were like, sorry, busy, gotta <laughs> you go. Know, you know what, Linda, at the end of the day, I mean, ev- everyone is their own person. But for me, I think mm-hmm. um, we all on our own paths, but being an artist is, is a right. tremendous blessing because you won't be able to be an artist unless people love what you do. If they don't, then literally right. you're just a singer. You're not an artist, you know? And um, I think right. for me, one of the things that I hold on to is how much of a blessing it is for people to really appreciate what you do. And that's one of the things that really keeps me grounded as an individual. I, um, mm-hmm. No matter what I do, no matter how much I try to aim for these stars, or no matter what I will achieve in the future and what I may have achieved already, like I, I always hold on to where I came from. I never forget where I came from. I never forget the people who made me who I am. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm super thankful for that. So uh, to any, to any upcoming artists who might be coming out there, you know, make sure and don't, don't skip any of these steps. We have a lot of people who just attracted to stardom, right. you know, but make sure and try and keep yourself right. grounded, try and, and remain, remain, you know, remain, remain who you are. Don't change. Don't allow anything to change you in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. And well, with that being said, I wish you all the continued success in the shard. And again, I cannot wait to see you oh, back Thank on you stage. so much. Thank you so much. And all the best to you. Fingers crossed. Fingers <laughs> yeah, hopefully crossed. Soon. Thanks once more to you. And thanks again to everybody who's been listening. So until we talk again, everybody stay safe. Well, guys, that's a wrap. I just want to say thank you guys for tuning in today's show. I'll be leaving you with one of the shard's newest tracks. So thank you for tuning in. And keep, stay safe, and hopefully you'll be tuning in on another episode of The Music Game. Thank you.
फिर भी ना of the music game is presented by Podgo, providing podcasters with a flat rate for each ad placed so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. Thank you, Podgo, for your sponsorship of The Music Game with your host, Linda Chica. Make sure to tune in again next week for another exciting episode of The Music Game with your host, Linda Chica. And that's a wrap, yo.